Welcome back to the channel, everyone. Today, I got another episode of Psycho Cinematic for you. I'm super excited to be back and doing another one of these, and I hope you guys enjoy the new background here in my new home office. The movie we'll be covering today is The Rental, which is a horror thriller movie directed by Dave Franco. Yes, that's James Franco's brother, if you didn't know that. And before we get into it, Dave Franco's wife, Alison Brie, actually plays Michelle in the movie. So that's pretty dope. All right, so basically this movie is four friends. It's two couples, but the guys are brothers. They all are going to get a vacation rental for the weekend. And basically one thing leads to another and they get pursued by a masked person. And it for, like for the longest time, they can't even figure it out. They think it's as simple as the host. I have to say, I love this movie. It's kind of eerie when you go and stay at someone's house and you kind of feel vulnerable. And when I first saw that Dave Franco was making this movie, I was like, you gotta be kidding me, that's my idea because we had a crazy experience in one of the Airbnbs. It's not that crazy, but it's creepy. And I actually made a short film that was loosely based on that idea. Basically, we found a white mask latex gloves and zip ties all in the same drawer and that house was already creepy as it was with like mannequins in it and whatnot turned out to be one of the coolest airbnbs that we had ever stayed in but it was eerie for sure but when i saw that he was making this movie i you know i initially thought that was my idea but it turns out to be nothing like my idea which is even cooler because you see the many variations that could go wrong with these vacation rentals. So without further ado, let's get into the story. All right, when I just recently watched it to take notes, that was my second time watching it, and it's really interesting to go back and watch it a second time. So if you've only seen it once, after you watch this video, you should definitely try and watch it again because you see everything with a different light. And the first thing that caught my attention was that they foreshadow Josh's future murder, uh, you know, when he thinks he murders the caretaker because they say that he went to jail for nearly beating someone to death, which pretty much happens, and then he gets finished off by the bad guy. So here's one of those parts that you look at with a completely different light. When you first watch it, you're following the story of Mina was denied this place, but the white guy was accepted when they both tried booking the property, and you're starting to think, wow, like they are targeting her because of racism and stuff, but as that little story and conflict unfolds, you realize it's pretty much all coincidence. And this guy is actually just a nice guy. And he's just got a lot of stuff to deal with between managing the bookings, managing the property, checking in, checking out, all that stuff. He probably doesn't pay much attention to who does what. And it's crazy because you believe that he's racist and the constant interactions, but as it's happening, you see that it's just coincidence. Now, when they're talking to that caretaker, Mina is actually the one that kind of sounds a little racist when she says to him, like, you own this house? And, you know, then he's like, why you gotta say it like that? It sounds like she's saying it because he kind of looks like this old blue collar worker who couldn't afford something like that. And, you know, he kind of like just lets it roll off his shoulders, but then he gives it right back to her. But I think he thinks it's all in a playful nature, 
but they're looking at it with these racist lenses on. So everything he says, whether or not he's joking or means anything by it, comes across as that much more harsh. Because he hears the family dynamic and then he asks Mina, how'd you get mixed in with this family in kind of a joking way. And she's clearly put off by it. And he's like, oh, I didn't mean nothing by it. And I'm sure he's not like on fire about her because she seems a little antagonistic and judgmental with him. But I don't think he's doing anything malicious here. But when you're first watching it, you're like, wow, like this guy, like this is super awkward. And then when they're still doing the check-in process, he makes that peeping Tom joke. And he clearly thinks it's funny and he probably is not from the city. And you know, he's just poking fun. And it comes off as super creepy when you think he's this mean racist and you know, you're gonna be staying at his house and he might be spying on you kind of thing. All right, I had to pause the movie right here and write down unrealistic alert because when they're done with the check-in process, one of them, I can't remember who says, oh, do you wanna help me unload the groceries? I'm like, sure. That's not how that works. In my experience, when you stay at a nice Airbnb, the first order of business is you go and lock down your room. And yes, this house was huge. I'm sure most of the rooms were great and there was only four of them, but in my experience, we all are kind of fighting for the best rooms. And it was at this point that I was really appreciating the cinematic lighting in this movie where it looks like, whether or not it's true or not, that the only lighting is the natural light from outside. So there are some deep shadows on the character's face and the light's just coming through the windows, but you can see outside the windows, the beautiful scenery, but it's also creating that dramatic, eerie horror type vibe. And then when they're getting into their rooms, Michelle finds like dirt or something on her bed and it's probably where this masked figure went and put one of the hidden cameras up there probably knocked off some dirt or maybe stepped on the bed to get up there who knows when i watch her look at this i don't know why she didn't initially look up because if i see dirt on a bed my first assumption would be maybe it's falling from the ceiling now, I had to pause the movie again and write down realistic alert and that is snooping around the house not everyone does this, but I tend to be someone who's like, oh, what's in this drawer? What's in this drawer? And they're under the deck and they find that hidden door that's locked. And those things are always super creepy. And it's hilarious because they actually open up that door later and it's just storage. And that's probably what it is 99.9% .9 of the time, but can't be too careful, I guess. Immediately after that, I had to pause it unrealistic alert they're walking the beach and whatnot and it gets dark and they head back to their vacation rental and they're like oh who needs a drink Maybe my friends and I are alcoholics, but we probably would have already been four drinks deep, probably would have had drinks on the beach and as soon as we got into the place, and then yes, we would be making more once we went there because you're on vacation, you're trying to celebrate, you're in a beautiful Oregon coast destination. I mean, why not walk the beach with some drinks? When I was watching it the second time, I forgot the fact that Charlie has this track record of kind of getting bored with the women that he's dating and ends up getting a new girlfriend and cheating on the current one and Michelle starts to notice that pattern too and that really disturbs her as it should. Now she learned that while they were on that hike when it's just Josh and Michelle and what cracks me up is the movie, they do that long zoom in shot from afar trying to signal that they're being watched but I'm like how dedicated is this masked creeper 
It, did he really go on this hike with them, go on to a spot where it's probably not a trail? So the ability to just cut through the brush and the trees like that and scale the side of a mountain just to watch two of the four people, eh, you know, it's things like that that you don't think about at first, but then you're like, wait, all right, at this point, Mina and Charlie have already, you know, done the dirty deed. And now they found the camera in the showers and Josh and Michelle get back from the hike and you know, they were supposed to be watching the dog and I'm just like, holy crap, can Mina and Charlie be any less likable? I mean, you <laughs> they let this dog just wander off and they're so self-absorbed. It's just like, God, you, you guys are just, uh, they feel unredeemable at this point. And then as I'm thinking that, Charlie has one redeeming quality, and that's when the caretaker comes over to look at the hot tub, and they suspect him of filming them, and he actually says, okay, Michelle shouldn't be out there alone with him. It's like, oh, wow, you actually care about someone else than yourself. That's crazy. Now, it's just slightly past halfway through the movie, and shit completely hits the fan. This group is the king and queens of making assumptions. First it was with the racism stuff, and then now with it being the caretaker who's filming them, and then Josh comes in and thinks that they're getting in a physical altercation and then beats the shit out of them, and it's just like, oh my god. I mean, this movie sums up why you should never just jump to conclusions. And then I also took a step back to think, could you imagine being Michelle at this point? You're the only one high and things like this are happening. They literally think that Josh murdered the caretaker. I've never done ecstasy or whatever they were on, Molly, but I would imagine that would be terrifying. <laughs> It's crazy how quick a misunderstanding turns into them trying to get rid of the body by throwing it off a cliff, which is nuts. Cause being this mask guy, you're, you're just like playing human chess. Something that I was thinking about was the fact that Josh doesn't question why Mina and Charlie are so quick to help him get rid of the body. And you know, he probably thinks it's just because they love him and don't wanna see him get in trouble. But the really shitty thing is, is that's not it at all. They just care about getting that footage back and not having their dirty little secret being aired. So now at this point, Michelle's being shown the affair footage from the masked person. And it's so interesting to me that Michelle doesn't care where the footage came from, but Charlie does, even though he's a POS for what he's done so far in the movie, he is right to wonder where that footage is coming from, but, you know, he's not wondering for the right reasons. He's wondering probably just to hide his dirty little secret, but then also to get away with getting rid of this body. There's just so many little layers going on here and I love how it's just stacking up and there's just a giant misunderstanding going on and they don't know that they are still super in danger. So Michelle hits that spike strip when she leaves and she is the first one to die, which is all the fuel you need to be enraged because she was the most innocent one out of that whole group besides the dog. And she gets freaking whacked first. It's, it's so irritating. And then also Josh's breakdown is very sad and very tragic because he thinks that he's so messed up that he did this when really he was acting in good faith. He thought this person took his dog or killed his dog. He thought that there was a physical altercation going on, that he was just protecting his girlfriend and it 
and he thought he was a murderer. He wasn't. And it's just, it's sad that he died believing that. And that hammer shot though, like, first of all, yeah, getting hit in the face with the hammer, ouch. But that freaking, the side of the hammer going right into the side of his head, oof. Since we moved in this house, I've been doing a lot of hammering. And <laughs> when I saw that, for some reason, it just hit a little bit harder. What is so wild to me is that they pretty much don't suspect foul play like the whole time. It's nuts. Like they, they don't consider, even though this is just the caretaker of the house, that maybe someone else could be in on it, even though the caretaker was not affiliated, but they were just like so certain that there's, they're not at risk for anything. They're worried about being caught. When the mask guy shows his face in the movie for the first time, I paused it and I wrote down, what kind of, hey, you guys, mask is that? <laughs> he seriously looks like Sloth, or I think that's his name from the Goonies. Here is something. I wrote down how poetic is it that Mina dies because of her choices? Mina running from the killer, the killer being symbolic of her problems, and she runs straight off the cliff. Her choices got her killed. It's interesting. And then now that everyone is dead, it shows how the killer does this. And he's got his whole stalker kit. He makes his own key. Looks like he stays at the vacation rentals prior to the future victim staying in there, whether that's a day before or, you know, maybe months before. So he doesn't get directly linked and caught. Who knows? But it's interesting to see how he's doing it. And I'm glad that they revealed that because I think I would have been upset if they tried leaving that up for interpretation. Something else that I heard on another podcast, Armchair Expert, I'm sure you've probably heard of it. Uh, Dave Franco was on there and he was talking about the rental. And he was saying that because of the times, he had to release it in drive-in theaters first, so it was safe. And he was saying that when they watched it on the big screen, it was way too dark. And so they had to quickly go back and have the editors brighten up the movie. And I couldn't imagine how stressful that is to try and, you know, get it done and roll it out. But when I was watching it, I had that in mind. I was like, wow, yeah, this movie is pretty dark. Like it works on a TV or on the big screen, but I guess, you know, with a drive-in when it's with a projector and you've got outdoor lighting kind of messing things up or maybe cars headlights that would be a problem. So I originally watched this movie, I think a week before I went to shoot my short horror film that I had already written. And so I was really interested how Dave Franco was going to do the story. And I wanted a convincing story myself. And the, the main thing that I ran into where I was like, this seems to be the most important thing about these horror movies is you have to give your characters a reason to stay at the place. I mean, otherwise the, the film would just end. Oh, there's a bad guy here. Well, see ya. I'm getting in the car, driving away. And, you know, Michelle tried that and she got her tires popped. But like in other things, Josh, he doesn't want to leave. He's looking for his dog, you know, little things like that. And so when I saw the ways that he was having his characters stay, I was like, cool, I think I'm doing something right because I had already written mine and I was giving them a reason to stay. So if you haven't seen my short film, I'll link it here. 
Spoilers coming if you haven't seen mine. The main character wakes up after being unconscious in a bathtub. Super creepy. He's got no reason to stay at the place except for the fact that he doesn't know where his pregnant wife is at. So he has to stay because, you know, are you just going to abandon your pregnant wife? No, you'd be a horrible person if you did. All right, now to wrap up this episode of Psycho Cinematic, my rating versus Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it 74% and the audience gave it 45%, which was shocking because I felt like the audience would like it more than the critics, but I would give it an 8.5 out of 10, so 85%. The reason I would give it an 8.5 out of 10 instead of 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 is probably just because of the length of the movie. It's kind of short. It's an hour and 28 minutes, but when the events start to unfold and you see that Michelle's dead, oh, now Charlie's dead, you don't have that many characters to kill off and you know, you're know you going to kill them all anyway. It almost felt anticlimactic because I felt like there could have been more twists, more jump scares, more anything. And I mean, maybe that's just a testament that this movie's good and I wanted it to be longer. Some movies you just want to end, but that's my main gripe with this movie. I enjoyed the story, I enjoyed the cast, the location, the cinematography, I liked it all. And with that being said, that is all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Psycho Cinematic. And let me know down in the comments what you thought of this movie, if you have seen it, or if you have any other thriller recommendations for me to watch in the future and then talk about here on this series. And if you haven't already, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps my videos get out there. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you in the next one.